Here's what the Word has to say. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So if you didn't know already, today is Mother's Day. I hope you knew that before you came to church this morning and have made plans for it. Otherwise, you're going to somewhere really expensive for lunch today. Uh, Now, Mother's Day is a secular holiday. It was created, uh, devised, and uh, popularized uh, in the secular sphere. But, But almost from the very beginning, the Christian church has embraced this secular holiday, not because of the secular uh, beginnings of it, but because we very much as Christians recognize the, the created goodness of family, the created goodness of mom and dad. And so it's most natural for us. We see the gift of parents as an act of God's grace to us. And so as a church, we have often um, felt comfortable celebrating mothers and the gift that mothers are to us uh, and to our church. Now, on this Mother's Day, I want to take the opportunity to make the case for the goodness of parents, the blessing of godly parents, and the hope by which parents labor. Now, the reason I want to take this opportunity is because I think presently our culture has become quite hostile to the God-ordained role of family and, in particular, parents. It seems that in recent years, the efforts of secular forces to diminish the importance of and the influence of parents in the lives of their children has grown. It's not that it hasn't has it just started, but it's just grown more intense and more apparent. Now, from a biblical worldview, the primary and first teachers of children are and are ordained, ordained to be parents. Parents are the ones who are recognized as the ones with both the primary authority and responsibility for their, for their children. Now, there are a lot of resources that parents can make use of to help them raise their children, and certainly the church is one of them. You heard us when we were dedicating those two precious babies, talking about our participation with those families in raising their children. That's good and right and, and a blessing for the church to, to families. Um, however, no one and no institution ever can take the place of parents in the life of their children. Some say amen to that. I mean, parents, you are the God-created, God-ordained persons in the life of your children to raise them up to know and understand the gospel. Now, here's what I know about Proverbs 22, 6. It is both a well-known verse and not a very well-loved verse. It is well-known because if you've ever heard a sermon on parenting, if you've If you've ever heard teaching on parenting, somebody has quoted this verse. It's well known, but it's not well loved because it brings with it some anxiety. And the anxiety, though nobody will speak it out loud, I'm just going to go ahead and say it to get it out of the way. The anxiety comes from, what if my kids don't turn out okay? (gasps) I mean, certainly not my kids, but what if your kids don't turn out okay? No, the anxiety is, what what if my kids don't turn out okay? Now, I'm just going to, be, I'm just going to tell you, if, if you think every parent in this room, if, you're, if, you, if you think you're the only parent that has struggled with that question, look to your neighbor and go, oh, okay, I get it. Because if they've got children, they've asked that question in the secrecy of their heart. What if my kids don't turn out okay? 
I once had a lady in a former church of mine confront me. That's the best word. Um, she was not happy, and she wanted to tell me about it. Now, I get a lot of conversations like that, but this one sticks out in my memory because what she was upset about was, she said, now at that point, her children were adults. They were living on their own, and they were not living for Jesus. And she said to me, she said, Pastor, I was faithful to bring my children to everything the church did. She was a family. She, you know, if the doors are open, we were there. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, visitation on Tuesday night, and anything else I could come up with in the middle of the week, we were there. And I had my children in all of those things. And, and she, was a, she was a church accompanist. And so she said, literally, every time I was there on the piano bench, and the kids were there on the front, on the front pew, we were there for, for everything. And she, what she was mad about was she said, now, I, she, she, she referenced uh, Proverbs 22.6. She said, I did what was required, but my children have not turned out what was expected. Why is that? Now, she caught me, and she was hot. And it took me a minute to sort of uh, to, to get my composure. But what she was struggling with is she read this verse as a formula with a guaranteed outcome. I don't think what that is what this verse is. I think what this verse is is a wisdom of teaching. It is a, is a wisdom of truth that if we rightly understand it, because the Bible is true, it is true, but, but we must rightly understand what Proverbs 22.6 is saying and what it is not saying. It is a wisdom of truth. It is not a guarantee of outcome. It recognizes the importance of parents in the spiritual development of their children and the grace of God that flows from this truth. So, this morning on Mother's Day, as we make a case for the importance of parents, I want to do these things. Number one, I want to make the case that mom and dad, you are absolutely essential. Nobody else can do what you've been called to do. Parents are essential. Number two, truth must be made known. Truth is not just something that you catch by chance. Truth is declared. It is taught. It is it is, um, it is trained into a, a mind and a heart, and we must make truth known. And then lastly, I want to end on what I think is a great principle of hope. So if you've asked at some point in your life, oh, what if my kids don't turn out all right? Or here's a more brutal place. Some of you right now are heartbroken that your children are making decisions that are not godly. Then there's a word of hope in this passage that I hope will encourage you today. But let's begin with parents are essential. So the very first thing the passage says is train up a child. Now what it means by this is that we are to train in truth. A phrase that has taken on much more use in recent years is biblical worldview. You have heard me use that phrase and you've probably heard other people use the phrase biblical worldview. Now a worldview is the lens through which you see and understand the world. So one definition is a worldview is how one views or interprets reality. Uh, it is the framework through which uh, or by which one makes sense of the data of life. Now, I think this phrase has taken on greater use in recent years because we are increasingly living in a world that does not share a biblical worldview. Now, the cultural context that I grew up in was dominated by biblical worldview. You know, what I, I don't mean by that is everybody I knew growing up was Christian. But what I do mean is when 
I interacted with the policeman on the street or the teacher at school or, or anybody else in my life, even if they didn't attend church and even if they weren't confessing Christians, most of them operated their life out of a biblical worldview. Now, in the, in the 47 years of my life, I have watched the culture around us go from a primary biblical worldview to something very different. Today, there are many competing worldviews that we encounter every day, many of them contrary to a biblical worldview. And as such, the, the use of the phrase biblical worldview has grown in usage to make a distinction between those who are operating out of it and those who are operating out of a secular worldview. So at the heart of teaching and training is determining what is true. A biblical worldview says God is true and he defines everything that is true. If God says it, it is true. Therefore, we, when we hold the word of God, we say this word is true. There's a very popular preacher today that, that, that he says, you know, preachers ought to quit saying the Bible says. Because he says the, the world that we're preaching to no longer recognizes the Bible as truth. Now, he may be right on the fact that the world we're preaching to no longer recognizes the Bible as true. But dear friends, if you're operating out of a biblical worldview, this is the authority for our life. When I come to preach to you on Sunday morning, I, have, I don't come to you out of the authority of philosophy. I don't come to you out of the authority of my intellect. I don't come to you out of the authority of my research in scientific and data studies. I come to you out of the authority of God's word and can boldly declare to you, this is what you must do. Not because I think it's a good idea for you to do, but because the Bible tells us this is what we ought to do. This is the authority. And a biblical worldview functions out of that understanding that we, have, um, we understand that truth comes from the Lord. At the heart of all teaching and all training is determining what is true. And the role of every parent is to shape, to train, and to mold your children to know what is true. How to determine what is true and what is false. Now listen carefully to this. Today it is popular among those who have a secular worldview to talk about personal truths. This is what it sounds like. They will talk about my truth. And they'll talk about your truth. They'll encourage each other to live out your truth. Now friends, when we hear those words, it ought to break our hearts. Because my truth, your truth, our truth is worthless if it's not God's truth. The essential work of parents is to train up their children to know what is true, that God is truth, that God is true, that God's word is revealed truth to man through his word. Train up in truth and train in value. The primary way parents train their children is through example. The instruction and discipline of children is supportive of the example that the parents live. So instruction and discipline can amplify what is taught by example, but it cannot overcome what is taught by example. In other words, the old do what I say, not what, uh, do what I say, not what I do doesn't work, right? Do what I say if it is supported by what I do. One commentator, uh, a guy by the name of Ironsign, wrote, th th wrote these words. He said, parents need to remember it is not enough to tell their little ones of Jesus and his, re and his rejection or to warn them of the ways of the world, but they must see to it that, that in their own lives they exemplify their instruction. This will count above all else in the training of, young, of the young 
to speak piously of separation to Christ while manifesting the spirit of the world in dress, the arrangement of the home and the company sought and kept, will readily be set down by observing little ones as, dis, um, uh, um, as hypocrisy. And we need not then wonder if they grow up to cast all our words behind them and to love what our ways proclaim to be the real object of our hearts. Friends, the essential work of parents is to train up their children to know, uh, to, to have, uh, to know and to have va- what is, has value and worth. To understand what is worthy of giving your life to. To understand what is worthy of sacrifice for. What is worthless and what is vapid and what deserves to be rejected. And they will learn that by what you give your life to. They will learn that by what you sacrifice for. They will learn that by what you reject as worthless and vapid and what you, uh, what you understand is worthy of being thrown away. Oh, dear friends, train in truth. Train in value. The, the, the essential elements of training up children are parents. If you are a parent, understand your essential role. If you aren't a parent but you know one, and that's all of us, then recognize their essential role in training up children. But secondly, we recognize that truth must be made known. So notice what the passage says. Train up a child in the way he should go. Now, two things here. Number one, truth is seldom easy. I struggle with putting the word seldom there. Um, Maybe sometimes it's easy, but it's often difficult. We naturally, naturally go astray. Now, every generation, in fact, I, I googled this to see if I could come up with one, one, uh, one title for it, but there were several. So, but every generation has had a, a version of the non-involved parenting philosophy, and it, it's a little bit different generation after generation, but the, the general idea is that what you ought to do with your children is just kind of let them figure it out for their own, Right? So um, the, the, the last sort of phraseology I saw was free-range parenting, <laughs> like free-range chickens. You know, just let your children kind of go and be and discover for themselves and, and, and find the consequences. And parents, what you need to do is back off and just let your children be and do and go and, 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 and develop themselves because they are they're individuals, they have autonomy, and they can come to the knowledge themselves. Now, the reason why this has not only, it's been around for every generation and it's also been rejected in every generation, particularly by the church, is that it is a, we, the church recognizes that on our own, all of us, on our own, if you let us go into our own devices, we will go astray. The prophet Isaiah, speaking about our need for the redemption of Jesus, spoke these words, we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. In fact, the Bible recognizes that love requires discipline. Hebrews 12 says, If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. In other words, the child who does not experience discipline from their parents is not loved by their parents. They are considered as illegitimate before their parents because they have not been disciplined by their parents. The way of the world always looks easy and inviting. It's why Matthew says the way to, to, to destruction is wide and many go into it. Truth is seldom easy. 
The primary task of parents is to teach the truth to their children as to the way they must go. Go this way, do not go this way. Stand here, don't stand there. Hang out with them, don't hang out with them. Those things are teaching the way, the truth. They are testimony to, uh, the, to, to, the, to the fact of the truth. And it is not easy. It doesn't come naturally. You see, because truth is in contrast to the world. Now, friends, the world loves darkness. The world, by definition, is in rebellion against the Lord. This, has, this is not new to us, by the way. This has been true since Adam and Eve walked out of the garden uh, because of their sin. This is certainly undeniably true in our own day. So in our present day, the world declares that truth is personal. So the world today talks about my truth, your truth, let's live our truth and whatever that may be. And by the way, when the world talks about my truth, your truth, that can change on a dime. So my truth in this moment can be different truth in the next moment, which is a definition of insanity. The world declares that truth is personal, that truth is relative, that what is true for me is not true for you. It talks about gender being fluid. It talks about that the only requirement for sex is consent. It, talk, it, it, it celebrates sexual perversion as something to be honored and, and, uh, and, and celebrated. The God-given counterbalance to the power of the world's influence, listen to me carefully, is the training of parents. The counterbalance to the world's influence is the training of parents. There is no greater influence over the minds and hearts of children than the training of their parents. Now, some of you who are older can bear testimony to this. that Sometimes when you're doing things, what runs to the back of your mind is the voice of your mom or your dad. If you're doing something you ought not to do, sometimes it's going, you ought not to do that. And then sometimes it's just you're doing something that was taught to you by your, your folks. And that, that, that training that you received so many years ago is still bearing witness to you. Parents are called to teach, to train, to show, to demonstrate the light of God's truth to their children that they may not walk in the way of the world, but in the way of God. Truth is in contrast to the world. Now, if that's all this verse said, we probably would not struggle with it as much as we do. It's the second part of the verse that gives us such consternation. So let's look at it together. Train up a child in the way he should go. And then it says, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, if you're reading that today, particularly if you are struggling, your, your heart is broken over a child that's choosing not to walk with Jesus... That may be a, a bit of a, a heavy verse to read or an unpleasant verse to read, but I think that has tremendous hope. And I, I want you to understand the principle of hope here um, when, when the Bible says he will not depart. It is, there is a principle of hope here that I hope will encourage you today. Now, number one, we need to understand what it's not saying. And it is not saying that it is a guaranteed outcome. So this is not saying that there's some formula that if you do this, then you get some guaranteed outcome with your children. Every parent in this room feels the pressure for their children to turn out, and I put this in scare quotes, to turn out okay. In fact, 
what, what you're really hoping, if you are totally honest, is at least turn out okay as far as people can see, <laughs> right? So it's the same thing we deal with when they're little. O- obey and behave when you're in public, and when we're in private, we can deal with it a different way, right? But at least obey in public. Parents desire for their children to excel in school, to do well in athletics, to excel in social etiquette, to be successful in their relationships, and ultimately to be successful in their career training and development. That's fine. Those are good things to desire. But friends, but, but that's not the ultimate goal for parents. The ultimate goal for parents is that our children would come to know the Lord. Yes? What if they don't excel academically, but they know Jesus? Is eternity okay? The answer to that is yes. What if they, get a, what if they pursue a career that turns out to be a terrible pursuit and they, they live in and somewhat poverty for the rest of their life, but they know Jesus. Is it okay? And the answer to that is yes. It is possible to be academically successful, athletically successful, and and career-wise make a ton of money and not know Jesus and spend eternity in hell. Dear friends, if you have to choose, choose godliness over worldly success. So this principle is not about children conforming to cultural or economic or social expectations. Let's make that clear. So this is not, if you do these things, then your kid will be who you want them to be out in public and in the world. To understand this wisdom requires that we first understand what it is not saying. So it is not a formula with a guaranteed outcome. In other words, it's not saying, if you do this, if you attend church, if you read the Bible, if you listen to Christian music, then your kids will turn out okay. Every child will choose for themselves if they will obey the Lord enjoy the Lord's blessings or reject the Lord and suffer under the consequences of their sin. That's the scary reality. Every child will choose for themselves that. Godly parents who faithfully raise their children before the Lord cannot guarantee that their children will choose to also walk in faithfulness. So that's where we begin. We must understand you you cannot force your children to chase after Jesus. You can't force your children to love Jesus. You can't guarantee that your children will love Jesus. It's not a guarantee. But here's the good part. It is a recognition of blessing. So let's see what the blessing is. There is a promise that the truth will not depart. That's the blessing. So parents, train up your children the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Meaning that there is a promise that the truth will not depart from them. The formative years in a child's life are so important. important. And, And parents who faithfully train their children in the way they should go, never waste that effort. Listen to me carefully. Parents who train their children in the way they should go and pour the gospel in their life, never, ever waste that effort. And listen, I know some of you grandparents are having both the the blessing and the responsibility of raising younger children. You pouring the gospel into your your grandchildren's life, that effort is never, ever, ever, ever wasted. The Bible says the word of God does not return void. It is not a wasted effort to pour the gospel into a young person's heart. You see, God will use his truth to lead children even when their parents aren't present. God will use his truth to discipline children even when their parents don't see their sin. God will use his truth to correct children even when their parents are not aware that they need correcting. 
This is the blessing of training up a child in the way they should go. This training doesn't wear off. It doesn't become obsolete, and it doesn't get forgotten, even if the child desires it so. Training up a child in the way he should go is a blessing, not just for childhood, but for the rest of a child's life. In other words, when they're trained up in the way they should go, that never leaves them. They may desire it to leave them. Oh, they may wish they could forget it, but it sticks with them wherever they go. And this is the hope-filled grace. I've already said that this wisdom is not a guarantee of outcome, but there is a hopeful word for children who, I think, who, are, who are rebelling against the truth of God, and that is there is power in God. There's the power of God, and there's power in His Word. Listen to me carefully, parents. Some of you right now are heartbroken. Because you desire for your children to chase after Jesus, and they're not. You're heartbroken because your children are suffering the consequences of sin, and oh, you would love for them to avoid that. But I want you to understand there is hopeful grace here. That God is powerful, and that His Word is powerful. When parents are faithful to train up their children the way they should go, then... If the child obeys the Lord in adulthood, the training of God will bless their walk. Praise God for that. And if the child disobeys the Lord in adulthood, the training of childhood um, will stick with them even still, reminding them um, as a witness and a testimony to the truth. Meaning that even rebellious children whose parents train them in the truth know the truth even in their rebellion. And even in their rebellion with that witness of truth in their heart and mind, God will use this as a witness of truth to convict them against sin, to expose the lies of the world, and to draw them back to obedience. Oh, parents, listen, I don't, you don't have to tell a mom and dad to pray for their children. That just comes naturally, doesn't it? Do I hear an amen? Oh, maybe you don't pray for your children, okay? Parents, you ought to pray for your children. Oh, I pray for all kinds of stuff. Oh, I pray for, I've been praying for their spouses since the day they were married. Before Molly came along, we were looking at Benjamin and Micah going, these boys are not going to take good care of us when we're old. So we really prayed for, for their spouses. <laughs> not sure Molly's going to do it now, but we're, we're, we're still praying. You pray for all kinds of things, don't you? For those of you who have children, whether they're grown Nearly grown, almost grown. You're, you're concerned about them not walking with the Lord. Oh, dear friends, your effort, your training in their life when they were young, it's not wasted. God will use that. They can't get away from that. It sticks with them. To convict them of their sin, to expose the lies of the world, and to draw them back to righteousness. Parents cannot guarantee their children will walk faithfully with the Lord, but parents can be faithful to train their children in the truth that no matter what they do or where they go, they can never, ever depart from it. Praise God for that. And as you pray for your children, you pray, God, take that truth that I know they know. Take that truth and bring it to their mind. Expose the lies that they're, being, they're believing with the truth that they know and use that to draw them back to the Lord. A few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to go home and attend church with my parents. They, they attend the same church that, that I grew up in. 
And so when I go home and have the opportunity to attend church with them, it's always a, a special and fun experience because I get the chance to see so many people that I grew up with and influenced me as a, as a young man. So during my last visit, I was walking from, from Sunday school to church, and I was in the hallway there, and, and a friend of mine from childhood uh, came up to me, he and his wife, and he was a few years younger, several years younger than me, and so I think I was probably late high school when he was early, early middle school. And he, he came up to me and he, and he said, uh, he said, hey Ben, um, introduced himself, introduced his wife to me, and he looked at his wife and he said, this is the guy that taught me how to drink coffee. Well, when he said that, I immediately knew how the man drank his coffee. He drinks it black, no sugar. Praise God, that's the only way to drink coffee, by the way. And, and, I, and he was reminding me that in those early days, uh, I, I had taken him and some of his buddies to, to Waffle House, which is really the best place to eat, right? And, and when we sat down to order, I must have expounded greatly on all the virtues of why you should drink your coffee black, no sugar. But what made my heart smile about that is not that, that uh, he drank his coffee that way. It was a sweet reminder of why I drink my coffee black with no sugar. So when I was growing up, um, some of my earliest memories are um, going up to my grandparents' house and, and having dinner. And when we would have dinner, after dinner, my grandmother would bring the old percolator out, sit it on the table, and she would pour my granddad and my dad, the two men that I most wanted to be like, coffee. Oh, I wanted to be just like them. And so I would ask my grandmother, can I, can I have some coffee just like granddad and, and my daddy? Well, she'd say sure, and she'd go back, and she'd, she'd get a mug that looked just like theirs, but she'd put just a little coffee in the bottom and then the rest of it milk. And that satisfied for a little while, but I knew it wasn't the way my granddaddy or my dad drank their coffee. And so pretty soon I was asking, listen, I want my coffee to be just like them. And she told me, she said, sweetheart, you're, you're not going to like it. They drink coffee black, and that's not a very good, well, I didn't care. I wanted to be just like my granddaddy and my dad. And so I guess I was persistent enough that she eventually relented, and she got out a mug. It looked just like the mugs they drank out of, and she poured me a cup of coffee just like they drank, and I sat down at that table because I was at the table now, right? And I was going to drink coffee with the big boys. And, and of course, I maybe have waited a little while for it to cool down, but when I took that first sip of coffee, it was the nastiest, awfulest thing I'd ever tasted in my life. But do you know what I did after I, I tasted that terrible first cup of, uh, sip of coffee? I took another one. Because I was bound and determined I wanted to be just like my dad and my granddad. I sat at that table. I was at the table I was proud to be there. I was proud to be drinking coffee with the two men I most admired. And I chugged down with, I mean, it was hard, but I got down that cup of coffee. Probably didn't ask for another. Just glad it was over. And then the next time we went for a, a meal up there, same thing. Oh, I want a cup of coffee just like my granddad, just like my dad. And, you know, frankly, the second cup of coffee was just as nasty and bitter as the first. I don't know when it happened. But at some point, the nasty bitterness of the coffee gave way to appreciating the coffee. And nowadays, if you go and drink a cup of coffee with me, I'm going to tell you if you put cream and sugar in it, you're missing the best part. Because you're covering up all the good taste of, of, of coffee. And the reason why I say that is because I learned to drink coffee from emulating, from copying my dad and my granddad. Now, I tell you that story because I want you to understand there is a power that really is, is not matched by the influence of parents on their children. 
Now you just think how influential, just the way my dad and granddad drank their coffee had influence on me. How much more do you think they influenced me in the way I walk with the Lord today? Now you don't recognize it, but I recognize it when I say some phrases to you. Those are not original to me, they're original to them. They came from them. Their influence on me. You don't, you don't know all of my story, but some of my story growing up in, in, includes some spiritual rebellion. And even in those moments of spiritual rebellion, I never could get away from those influential moments early in my life when my parents poured into me the truth of God. Here's the hopeful thing, dear friends. There is nobody in this room more important to the spiritual development of children than moms and dads. School system cannot compete with that. And even the church, as important as the church is, we should not and do not compete with that holy role. The God-ordained role of parents is to pour into the life of their children and to train them up in the way they should go. As a church, we do everything to support parents in their calling. And so parents, if wherever you are in life, so if you're a parent or grandparent and you've got young children, recognize your essential God-given holy role. Don't miss a moment to pour into your children's life the gospel of Jesus. It may be that you're on the other end of that. And the opportunity to pour into young children has evaporated. But, but now you're praying for adult children and you pray different. And by the way, I, you know, I was thinking as I was preparing, there may be some of you here this morning, you missed the opportunity to pour into your children young, but now God's doing a new work in your life and, and your children may even be adults, but God's done a new work in your life. Don't feel like you've missed it. You still have opportunity to pour into your children. I know for my own self, my, the older I got, the more influential my dad became in my life. When I was 13, he knew absolutely nothing. When I was 16, he was the dumbest man ever to walk the face of the earth. But by the time I was 21, 22, 23, every big decision I ever made, the first call I made was to my dad. Dad, what is the right way to do it? How should I do this? At 47, I'm still calling going, Dad, what do you think about this? Is this wise when you pray with me? He's got influence over me, and you've got influence over your children, even if they're grown. Pour the gospel into their life. That is never, ever, ever wasted effort. Thank you for listening to All for the Kingdom, a weekly podcast of my preaching ministry. For more sermons, blog posts, and other related content, go to bensmithsenior.org. That's bensmithsr.org. I am the pastor of Central Baptist Church in Waycross, Georgia. I would love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 201 Ava Street here in Waycross. Our morning services begin at 1030 a.m. For more information about Central Baptist, go to cbcwaycross.org. Again, thank you for listening, and until the Lord returns, let us live each moment all for the King and all for the Kingdom.